One, two, three. Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast, the podcast that helps you be a better Amazon seller. So the goal is to always give you something, some nugget that you can leave and tomorrow you will be a little bit sharper, something to dig into to improve your business or maybe even to start your business. I think we're going to hit the starting part a little bit on this podcast. I have with me someone who has been a part of many product launches and specializes in the research part. I uses a lot of tools, a lot of data to come to good choices. I have Isabella Ritz from Ritz Arm. Welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me here. You know, like I, I notice people are getting confused from the name of our web- website and from the name of the company. I'm like, we probably should fix it because it's branding and we're doing branding and we messed up for ourselves. Don't worry. I launched Smart Scout without the right domain as well. I had a smartscout.pro. It took me a $7,000 negotiation to get the .com. Amazing negotiation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually felt like that was a steal. I was like, shoot, I probably would have paid double. Like long-term thinking, I definitely would have. But we're going to talk about how you actually do things smart the first way, you know, originally, and not back, like, you know, after you've launched a product, you don't want to have any regrets. So you do a lot of effort into product research, launching products on Amazon. And so we're going to talk about some of the data strategies that you apply. I know you guys apply a lot of data strategies. I actually just was off with one of your uh, colleagues talking about using Smart Scout's API. So there's definitely some data in the back of your mind. But first, tell me your backstory. What got you into the ecosystem? So as many of maybe you guys know, I started my first business when I was 17 and it was just ongoing process. Uh, starting business, selling business, starting business, selling business. I got excited at like, oh my gosh, like money making is not that hard. What became hard is when I came to United States in 2015 and I had some cash and I had to figure out what to do. I really didn't know English well. I couldn't speak. Like I had to change my brain switch my brain from mentality to mentality and like I that was some very ridiculous stuff I didn't know that credit when people are saying we're crediting you they don't mean we're financing you it's like crediting your account so it will be a positive balance on your account and I was yelling at people by saying like I don't need a credit credit and debit sometimes I don't understand the difference between those two yeah that was cultural difference and i have to get to know a lot of stuff and uh, i was learning about amazon and like oh, amazon it's some type of the business i can reapply some knowledge i had i knew how the seal works i knew how e-commerce works in another country in other platforms but it was kind of a little bit familiar and i tried i launched my first product and it worked it was silicon wine glass then lately got patented and i couldn't sell it anymore but I made my first $14,000 and I'm like, oh, this thing works. So we can move forward. And then I was just launching product after product. All right. Okay. So you're just launching a lot of products and it's always good to have an initial success when you're green. That doesn't always happen. Sometimes I yeah. talk to people like, it's like, oh, no, it's my fourth product finally worked. So I have to imagine that your research that you've done has evolved, like what you do before you consider a product. And tell me about that. How has your research changed over time? That's the great question that I can answer. <laughs> so 
the first product, of course, I launched intuitively. And I remember back in 2015, it was the software. I think they don't exist anymore. It's uh, Hello Profit. And I opened this mm-hmm. software. I'm like, uh, okay, so these products can make some money. I didn't understand how I supposed to read data and the but remembering like what was there, it's not actually much. It's more like X-ray on Helium 10 where you can see numbers. You cannot really analyze what is going on. Later on, I realized that product research is actually supposed to be more deliberate. And we started using data, like the real data. And if you remember like 2017, 2018 have been pretty dramatic. It's been a lot of dramatical changes on Amazon algorithm. And we started doing research based on the, especially after Amazon removed the opportunity to do a lot of giveaways when you can rank your product without being penalized and like where you had to stop to use the reviews and all these different things. We started doing the product research based on the consumer avatar. We started thinking, okay, who is the buyer? What the buyer is missing? What are they looking for? And we started going not based on the idea I want to sell the product that is light, that is like having this amount of margin, that like all these standard conditions, like when you're going on YouTube, you are seeing this like, okay, so this is what you're supposed to, what this, those are requirements you're supposed to meet when you're doing the product research. We started doing the reverse engineering. And this is how we became probably the only one agency. The agency been created later, of course. Agency been created in 2019 when people started asking, how do you guys do that? And we started helping people and I love it. And this is how we started doing this reverse engineering for people to help them launch their products after we succeed with ours. And we're not selling the products that, for example, it would be like for the books, bookshelf, right? We're selling the bookshelf for the specific avatar that probably needs to store small books, big books, books in the office, books in the kids' room or books somewhere else. And we're looking what people are looking for at this specific, what mm-hmm. if they will be using this product. Is it supposed to be temporarily so mm-hmm. they can change this product? They can move this product from room to room. You're jumping in the minds of the customer of like, yeah. what are they actually looking for? But... There's a good chance that like what they're looking for, there's a lot of competition. Like, so we're squaring on to like what an opportunity looks like. What do you use to validate like low competition? Is like low competition three competitors or is it 10 or is it 50? Well, you know, 50 is the number comparing to what? If like 1.5 million demand per year, 50 competitors is nothing, right? Because 50 uh-huh. competitors are supposed to keep up for different type of the avatar and different type of the customers because I never met the product that has just one customer avatar. You usually have two or three minimum and like you cannot say my customer avatar 25 to 55, right? So we have a lot of differentiation. We have a lot of layers. And in this particular case, you're just narrowing the product, like reaches are in niches. So we're narrowing the product, we're narrowing the keywords and we're looking if how many relevant keywords do we have for the opportunity we can develop? And the best way to go about it is, of course, you can look into the reviews, but also look at the people's experience at what keywords they're putting out there when they're searching for the product. So, for example, white bookshelf for kids room, right? 
And then you're like, oh, okay, how many white bookshelves are out there? And the majority of the bookshelves that will be out there, they're probably like same gray color or wooden color. And that's why probably the purchase rate is pretty low. And in this case, you're like, okay, let me see if the white bookshelf will be there where I can be on the market. So you're trying to play in between people's mind, what you can develop, how many competitors are out there with a white bookshelf, and then your journey speaking, build the estimate of how many sales you'll be able to get out there after you will build the product. And when we build the product, we're using PicFu. And during the PicFu polls, we're also using consumer's avatar to make sure we're not just asking general audience for it. Right, right. So let's see. Yeah, there's a lot of factors that go into competition. You know, you're like, well, are they actually competitors or are they just kind of in the same category? We've done something similar with, you know, colors. And we had some products and like, we're like, well, no one has, you know, silver, no one has gold, no one has this. It's actually really cool just to like win on one niche. Absolutely. You're like, if someone comes, this is what they're going to choose. And you can get that strategy for those products that I said, "Ah, about 50 sales a month for free. Like basically no competition. We could enter and try and compete in the big category but it's nice to have like a niche. But like sometimes products don't actually have a market demand. How many times have you been with your friends and they've said like, oh, I want to like invent this little thing. And you know, like all these little inventions and ideas that people have. In the back of my mind, I'm like, that's an interesting idea, but no one's actually going to buy that. You know, it has to like solve a pain point that people really want rare can you create a market? Right. Those are some of my opinions. How do you think about, you know, like the idea itself, like if it's valid? So I have two answers here. First, when we've been selling supplements, I remember I was even telling people, if you want to sell supplements, you have to have two type of the keywords. The first one is the pain point, like for example, headache relief. And second one supposed to be the ingredient, like aseminotafen, right? So you cannot target the keyword Tylenol. So if people are searching for both, that means you can close the pain points and you have people that are searching based on the ingredient. And if you don't have people that are searching for the ingredient, you have to have people that are searching at least for the pain point, how to get rid out of the headache. And you're absolutely right here. And the second one, second answer is my favorite one. It pretty much doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. It matters what the audience thinks. And if the audience doesn't have the demand, if the audience doesn't ask you for the product, you probably shouldn't do it unless you're ready to create the demand. And if you're ready to create the demand, you can go on a Kickstarter and try to do so. It's a different approach. We also do that. And we recently started doing different type of the Kickstarter campaigns. It's almost completely different approach, but the interest is supposed to exist too. That's a great example of like a measure of demand of itself because a lot of times people create a Kickstarter of a product that just does not exist. And they're not like launching a Kickstarter of a consumer product that's like, hey, here's a board game that we're making, or hey, here's a new toy that's never ever been used before. You should be able to win on Kickstarter if you're actually going to win at all. Yeah, 
And for the Kickstarters, you probably know you're building the list, you're building the interest, you have to make sure that the moment the Kickstarter campaign launch, you have people ready to buy it. While you're preparing this campaign for like two or three months, you're creating the demand when people are starting researching and Googling you everywhere, which means the moment the Kickstarter is out there, people keep researching to check if the product is actually yeah. on the market. And then when it is on the market, you already have this like hundreds to thousand searches per month because people being researched, you've been preparing this launch. And of course, like we can talk about influencer marketing, yada, yada, yada. But to your point, to your question, unless you are ready to create the demand, you shouldn't do something that never been exists. Right. I love that. Like there's a lot that goes to Kickstarter. That could be its own conversation. A very smart way to like, you know, get an initial audience. Smart, but every time I hear about it, it sounds way interesting, but a different skill set. So I know every time I like interact with you, Isabella, you've got a data driven approach. You know what? I think a lot of listeners of this podcast, they listen because I don't shy away talking about from some of the nerdy stuff and just uh, saying whatever. What are some of your favorite tools that you're using to kind of valid to like research and then consider product ideas versus like the demand? So we use five. We use Smart Scout a lot. And not because I, I'm trying to please you, but we do use Smart Scout a lot. That's true. We're using seller tools. We're using Helium 10, Datadive, and Amazon Product Opportunity Explorer. If you can consider it as a software, and because it's the data inside of Amazon. The seller tools, seller.tools, they have like an extension that works with, in conjunction with the Opportunity Explorer on Amazon. How helpful do you find that their extension? Do you think it's like good enough on its own or is the extension critical? So they have some mess-ups. However, if you want to go out there and just to glance into the niche to give yourself an idea, should I do it or I shouldn't, they have pretty good perspective where you can understand and make a decision for yourself like based on the several keywords because you can click there on the keyword and it will analyze the keyword for you with the opportunity for this specific keyword. So you would understand like, okay, for based on this specific keyword, I can make this amount of money, I can make this amount of sales. Of course, mm -hmm. as long as your product is good and then like all other conditions are much in the requirement, but you can see the potential growth and you can see how saturated or not saturated their niche. You cannot be based on the one product and you cannot be in love with one keyword if you found something and it's like, oh, 300,000, this is your post-launch profit. It is not true in the most of the cases because you have to analyze several products and you have to analyze several keywords when mm -hmm. you're doing this conversation. But it's really good. It's really good to give yourself a perspective. Yeah. I then... love and smart out the new couple tools. I will interrupt you here. You recently released those and we love them so much as share of voice and popping topics and with the popping topics i want to give a couple hacks to your audience what they can do so you have i'm literally clicking there right now to make sure i'm not messing up what i'm saying so it's better if you will do when you go to the all subcategories so you use filters you should unselect all and just choose one niche that you want to do the research pick one year range 
and at the keywords. So, for example, if you go to like uh, baby products, right, you can just search with the keyword baby because there are out there so many different products that will contain the word baby. And then you will be able to see for baby, baby something, and all this different type of the keywords for the past year that been popping in trends will show up for you. And this is yeah. how people can come up with an idea where they can start their research for the product. Yeah. I'm not positive about really talked about popping topics too much on the podcast because we it is pretty new. I totally agree that it's a lot of fun to just look at a specific category because yeah, you know, if you do keyword trends for every category on Amazon, you're gonna you're gonna see everything and you're gonna see a lot of pop culture stuff. And maybe that's not as interesting. I find when I look at like a, a more of a niche category like baby, sometimes I find TikTok brands, like brands that just like exploded overnight. And you see a lot of the seasonal stuff, you know, like right now, you even see like words like Prime Day and that were popping off. Then, you know, Barbie, like you could be in clothing, the clothing category. And actually, you know, there's some Barbie keywords for clothing because pe people are showing up to the movie with wearing, yeah. you know, pink Barbie outfits. And honestly, you are the first person in the wild that's talked to me about popping topics. Uh, I can helpful. give you a lot of insights about it. I can give you even like the feedback, how to improve it. Like we are using it. It's really cool. For now, it's really cool. That's fun. We show the historic trends and it's fun to see seasonal stuff. You know, how predictable it is. Like when we were building it to see the data come alive and tell a story, we really liked it. And, you know, some trends surprise you. I always don't understand why things grow the way that they do. Yeah, people are very complicated, you know, it's very hard to learn how the mindset of people works and sometimes all this mindset comes together and this is what you see in the data. Mm -hmm. I think we anchor a keyword, you know, say someone searches something, we anchor it to the category that most of the products are found in. So it was actually really tricky when we were seeing like movies, right now like it's Barbie, but a few months ago it was like Avatar, stuff like that's come out this year. And you know, sometimes like the categories can be all over the place. So it's worth playing around with. And thanks for bringing it up and using it. That's fun. And then you did mention the other tool, Share a Voice. Again, you know, you're probably one of the first people to talk about it in the wild. I think we launched it just like two weeks ago, maybe three or four weeks ago. Even when I review my own products, it always just makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm just like so always... Yeah, throwing everything out there. So generally speaking, like for example, if you are going to the share of voice, you have there pretty much just one filter initially. You can put out there the keywords. So for example, I don't know, it will be napkins, right? And you will be able to see the competitors that are taking the market. And correct me if I'm wrong, but to my understanding, you will be able to see the competitors and like the brands that are on the market with this product, but it doesn't mean they are taking the majority of the place with this specific product. So when they are in the order, they are not taking the majority for the specific product, but they have this product inside of their brand. So you have to check how this specific product is yeah. actually playing on the market. It's unique. It's not showing revenue. 
it's giving like an impression share of what a customer will see. Kind of like, there's this word that you hear a lot, maybe you don't hear it a lot, but like in my world, like it's called digital shelf. You think of like a grocery store and like, you know, there's shelves of a grocery store. Well, the digital shelf is a reflection of like, what is this like shelf space? And so share of voice is kind of like a percentage of who has 20% of the shelf space, who has 5%, who's got 1%. And you know that like if you're in a grocery store that, you know, the bottom shelf is probably the least valuable. It's the least valuable from at least an impression share. And so share of voice kind of has that angle. And again, it just gives you a quick analysis. Yeah, but this analysis is so valuable because like when you go on Amazon, right, you can see everything that's on the page one. And given that right now Amazon shows you like based on the state, based on your location, you have different search and different results. And when you go to Smart Scout, you can see the reality, the real picture, because it doesn't mean it, it doesn't mean if I didn't find this product on the page one, this product is not winning the market. By using the tool, I can find out, oh, okay, they're actually winning the market. So now I have to explore this in Amazon Product Opportunity Explorer and double check what is going on on Datadive, where this product is actually indexed comparing to others. And this is something that like just from one keyword putting out there in this tool, share of voice, you can see the whole picture of the brands and then you can start dig deeper. I love it. And by the way, yeah. to your point that you cannot see revenue, you can because you can go to this magnifying glass and you can do products oh, and yeah. you'll be able to see the revenue for every single I product. I think we should do brand revenue right here and share a voice. There's no reason not to. You know, I have right. an idea actually, and then I'll go even one further. I think we might even be able to share if it's a Chinese brand or not. Interesting. Oh, that will be great because if you will yeah. do there, it, then we will be able to see who is taking the majority of the market because this data is already out there and Hill and Tan and Datadive, they have it in the Divex and in X-Ray. Yeah. And then like the whole picture is opened. That will be great. Yeah, I'm going to be writing that to the devs just after the, we get off. I want to ask, like, there's something about validation where you're like, everyone can get a lot of ideas, you know, you can use tools and get ideas, but like validating an idea is very important. It's the same as like when we're building a tool, you kind of got to validate it. I see people start businesses without even validating that like, oh, this is like, this is a need. So when we validate it, first we have to make sure we have a spot on the market with something we're going to build, right? So if I decided to sell the white napkin, I likely the spot for me is not out there. I want to make sure when I chose the product, I have the spot at the price I want and I have the buyer that is ready to buy. So one of the simplest way to validate it is just to go to your target audience and ask them if they're ready to buy the product and ask them how they can improve your product. And of course, when you have the list of improvements, you go to the supplier, blah, 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 it's different, it's already development. And when you develop the product, you ask the same audience, what do you like to improve on this product? Then you're taking the leader of the market that is taking the majority of the sales and they are testing your product against this competitor. And mm -hmm. if you are losing, 
then everything you did probably didn't match the expectations of your consumer's avatar. So, but you have the comments, what should you improve? And you're improving this to the point when your product is actually winning your competitor. And mm -hmm. when you want, you have to make sure you're not winning 60-40 because it's pretty equal. And if your competitor is already there with a lot of reviews, like you will not even have fair comparison when you'll be on the market. You have to win something like 80-20, 70-30 at least. So you have an advantage because while you're manufacturing your product and like literally shipping physically on Amazon, your competitor is still selling. So they're still gaining more weight, more fat. So they're out there with a lot of reviews and et cetera, et cetera. So the goal is to validate the quality of your product and the price mm -hmm. point of your product. Because when you're validating like, look, this is the picture and this is the picture. People are clicking into your picture. But then it will be, listen, this product will be $75 with these qualities and this product is $35 with these qualities. Which one do you want to buy? And here it will be the most interesting part because you want to make your product pricier than this one. By asking this question, your target audience, you will be able to qualify if your product being developed correctly or not. And yes, it's a lot of money up front, but mm -hmm. if you will compare, if you will ask so, yourself questions, yeah. do I ready to invest like 15000 and lose them, or I want to just gamble, right? So it's just like sometimes it's really $5,000 of investment worth not to go and invest 15000 or 150000 So, yeah, you're talking about some really thoughtful A-B testing, making sure that the product is significant, like it meets expectations. It's what customers actually would want or they pay more for. That's really cool. So, Isabel, thanks. Lots of insights. You really just dive into the research part of the whole equation. And that is kind of like what your company does. So tell us a little bit more about the service that you've built out and the customers that you've helped. Well, I don't want to do any sales pitch. Just like if you guys <laughs> want to help with product development to make sure you don't waste your money prior to the launch and we can help you to win the market prior you well, spend the time on inventory, then Reads Momentum will help. Readsarm.com is our website. You can just schedule mm -hmm. the call and we'll help. We're here to help. We're not ready to help every single person, we want to help people that are ready to receive the help. The reason I say that is thank you for being a little bit humble. Don't want to like just sell, but like give value. I feel like you learn a lot about someone when you understand what their offering is. And so your offering is just research, validation, and a data-driven approach, which actually takes a lot of time just to learn. So a lot of products uh, that you see on Amazon, we wanted to um, kind of take a, a backdoor approach to how do they get there and, and create that product. So thanks so much for chatting. It's ritzarm.com. And let's see, if people want to reach out, how can they get a hold of you? LinkedIn, very simple. Isabella Ritz with the Z double L and Ritz like famous cracker or Ritz Carlton, whatever you prefer. Perfect. All right. Thanks. This is a really good episode. We got to talk a lot about strategies and a lot about research, kind of the mindset that it takes. And 
And thank you everyone for listening. Stay tuned for the next episodes coming up. Hope to, I uh, hope you guys be selling more into the future. All right. That's the pod. Thank you. One, two, three. Yeah.